Hey guys, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. I'm Judah Thomas, the lead pastor, and we thank you for joining us today as we discover what God's Word has to say to us. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd encourage you to leave a rating, review, share it with your friends or family, and we hope you enjoy today's message. How many guys do we have in here in general? Just guys. Okay, we got a lot of guys in here. Isn't it great? to be a guy. You know, I, I love being a guy. And, uh, and so I put together some advantages of being a guy. Now, if you're a lady, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend anybody, but these are just some of the advantages of being a dude, okay? Um, first thing, you can go to the bathroom without a support group, right? I mean, it's just you. Go in there, do your thing, and uh, come out. Um, if someone invites, uh, forgets to invite you to something, it's okay. You can still be friends, right? It doesn't matter. Uh, you can stop by on a, a friend's house without bringing them a little gift or anything like that. If, uh, if you're at a party and a guy shows up wearing the same thing you are, you might end up being lifelong buddies with this guy, you know? Um, you got one wallet, one pair of shoes, one color for all seasons, right? It's like, this is it, man. You, your buddies are never going to try to trap you saying, did you notice anything different? <laughs> you can do your nails with a pocket knife. I mean, the, speaking of bathrooms, our lines are like 80% shorter. I mean, you just in and out. It's, it's great. You can open all your own jars. Um, if you're channel surfing, if you're channel surfing, you, you don't have to stop whenever you see someone crying. <laughs> you know, you just keep moving. Uh, you can kill your own food. Um, ch- for you, chocolate is just another snack, just one of many options. Um, he, he, here's one: wedding dress, two thousand dollars. Tuxedo rental, a hundred bucks. I mean, you ever think about that? I mean, the girl spends all this time and money and. and Builds a shrine to the dress, and the guy got married in the clothes that probably a hundred other guys got married in. It's like, I'm giving them back at the end of the day. That's it, you know? The only thing I got on me I own is my underwear, and everything else is rented. Um, none of your coworkers have the power to make you cry. Um, you can be showered and ready to go anywhere in about 10 minutes. Your last name always stays put. Uh, you don't have to lug around a bag of stuff wherever you go. And uh, if you go on vacation, you just generally need one suitcase. And of course, phone conversations, man, they're generally over in about 30 seconds flat. <laughs> you know, it's like on the phone and, and you know, and then, and then you're done. So, you know, these are some of the advantages of being a guy. Now, there, there's some issues, though, if we're honest, with being a guy, too. Now, tend to be uh, guys have a little bit more difficulty in the emotional side of things. Some people think that guys don't, don't care about relationships. No, guys love relationships, but it's a little bit different than, uh, than, than, than the female, uh, their relationships go. But when we look at TVs, man, TVs just portray dads like, in this crazy way, you know, you watch The Simpsons or Everybody Loves Raymond or, you know, Breaking Bad or American Dad, Family Guy, any of these things. And, and, and the way that dads are portrayed, they're often shown as being very weak, very incapable of making even a basic decision. Even if you watch TV commercials, oftentimes dads are portrayed that way. In fact, my kids, they, we have these Berenstein Bear books, 
And, uh, and some of them are really good, but man, the dad always just looks like a bumbling oaf. And I'm like, I don't know if I want my kids reading that. I mean, it's like the dad doesn't know anything. It's like the mom saying, don't eat snacks, kids. And there's a dad like shoving his face full of snacks. You know, it's like the way the media portrays them is like they do anything they can to get out of spending time with their family in favor of, you know, work or beer or sports or a cute neighbor. You know, it's like whatever we can to stop spending time. And oftentimes on TV and movies and commercials, these things, the mom is the central figure. We've come a long way from the time of father knows best to now it's father doesn't know anything, or father knows worst. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. Ephesians 5, 23, and you can follow along uh, on the screens, or you can follow along on, on your Version app. You can go to the live section, type in thrive.church, and you can follow along with the verses there. In Ephesians 5, 23, it says, For the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of his body, the church. He gave his life to be her savior. You know, some people have a problem with this. You know, if you got a problem with it, you got a problem with God's word, not with me. I'm just reading what it says here. It says the husband is the head of his wife. He's, he's the head of the family. Now, I don't know if you guys ever killed a snake before. Any, any guy ever killed a snake before? A lot of guys killed snakes. Guys love killing snakes. A lot of ladies probably killed snakes too. Hi, what's the best way to kill a snake? You cut the head off. Right? You know what my dad used to do? He used to grab them by the tail like a bullwhip and pop their heads off. I'm, it's a mess. But he, he does not like snakes. Anyhow, to kill a snake, you got to cut the head off. And it seems like culture is trying to kill the family by chopping off the head. It's a great tactic of the enemy to convince families, to convince men that they have no voice. That all he's good for is bringing home a paycheck and being, you know, a lump on the couch watching sports. And the saddest thing about this is that men often believe that. And due to a guy's nature, he often will take the path of least resistance. And he's like saying, well, if that's all you expect of me, then that's all I'm going to do. And so as a result, we end up cutting the head off. And so we just follow along with that pattern. The reality of it is, is being a dad is the highest calling that any man can have. You know, it seems like more and more in this, this day and age, people uh, are, are looking at fathers as optional. Dads are optional. And that, that single moms can do uh, just fine raising their kids on their own. Now, if you're a single mom, man, I, I give you props. That's a huge commitment. And I'm not speaking down on that, but, but even in these single mom situations, it's important to find male and father figures to speak into the life of your kids. Sometimes it maybe is a friend or a grandfather or an uncle, someone who can be a father figure for the children. See, we're not going to learn how to be a real man, a real dad from watching The Simpsons as much as we might try to be. You know, we, we, might, we might laugh at these, these TV dads, but ultimately what it does is it, is it chips away at the respect that people have for the role of fatherhood. And now dads become a bunch of bumbling, you know, idiots bouncing around looking for a beer. 
And, and when, when the reality of it is, is that, that we need to set the bar higher. The bar has been set so low that many guys don't even try to be a man anymore. I read about a group of expectant fathers, and they were all sitting in a waiting room for their wives to deliver uh, the, the babies. And, and a nurse came in and said to one man, says, says, great news, your wife had twins. And the guy said, wow, that's quite a coincidence, because I play for the Minnesota Twins. And then, and then a little while later, another nurse comes out and says to another guy, he says, Congratulations, you just had triplets. And he's like, really? What a coincidence. I work for 3M. And then, then there's another guy, and he just like lays on the floor, and he's like breathing really deeply. And they go over to him like, like is everything okay with you? He's like, yeah. And they're like, what's wrong? He's like, well, I work for 7-Up. <laughs> Get them all at once, I guess. You, you know, in 1960, in 1960, only 10% of kids were raised without a father in America. Today, over 40% of kids are raised without a father. Well, what, what makes a good dad? And that's what we're going to kind of chat about a little bit. And I, there's some principles that I've learned uh, in my own life, and most of them have been from watching, watching my dad uh, be a father, of, of some ways that we can be a good dad. You know, I heard about Robert Schuller. He was, uh, was formerly a pastor of Crystal Cathedral Church. And he, he said once that, that he chose to fail so that he could succeed. He said, I chose to fail at golf because I wanted to succeed as a father. And though he loved golf a lot, he knew he could never devote himself completely to his job, time to his job, his hobby, and his family. So he gave up something. And sometimes we have to, to cheat, we have to fail other things in order to make our family a priority. Now, some of you here are like, well, you know what, I'm, a, I'm, a da- I'm not a dad, so I'm off the hook. Well, you're not off the hook today. Because if you don't have kids, or maybe you're a stepdad, um, you're not off the hook because you still have that fathering role that's been put on us by God. And, and, and there's so many kids out there that are in need of a father figure that even if you don't have children of your own, man, you can still take some of these principles and you can still use it to make a difference and an impact in the life of a kid. So here, here's a few, uh, few principles. The first one is, is discipline. Proverbs 13.24 says, if you refuse to discipline your children, it proves that you don't love them. Now, when we were kids, man, the parent that didn't discipline their kids, we thought that was a cool family, right? Like, man, you don't get a spanking. You don't get disciplined. In fact, I, I had friends that used to tell me, they're like, yeah, you know, I got a spanking, and I had to pretend that it hurt. I'm like, you had to pretend that your spanking hurt? I'm like, what planet are you from? I've never once had to pretend that it hurt. My dad was very faithful in disciplining me as a child. But, you know, it says, if you refuse to discipline your child, if we just let them do whatever they want to, it proves that you don't love them. If you love your children, you'll be prompt. Prompt. Not delaying, not waiting till tomorrow, next week, next month. You'll be prompt to discipline them. One of the things that, that successful dads do is that they discipline their children. Ephesians 1, 4 
goes on to say, Now a word to you fathers, don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. Now that, that's an issue in and of itself. And dads, sometimes we need, to, we need to internalize that and make sure that we're not making our kids angry by what we do. But it says, rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. So we need to, to be faithful and disciplined. Another thing, if you're taking notes, is, is, is that we, we should be an example. Did you know that a dad's life has a huge impact on a kid? And, and kids will generally do what we do and not what we say, dads. So, so you know, it's like you, you see the you know, kids starting to pick up bad habits. Like, well, I told you not to do this. Well, how are you living your own life? Because they're going to follow our example. They're going to follow what we do, not so much what we say. 1 Corinthians 111 says, and you, you should follow my example just as I follow Christ. This means that we, we spend time praying with them. We teach them about their Heavenly Father. We bring them to church. You know, we've been talking in the last several weeks about, about families and, and how if the dad goes to church, there's a, there's a greater chance that his kids are going to continue following God and going to church and so, so bringing them to church, showing them, not just telling them, but showing them what it means to be a godly person. In Joshua 24, 15, it says, But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Now, you know, it's interesting that it says that we will serve the Lord, though, right? It doesn't say, as for me and my family, we will go to church on Sunday morning. Or it doesn't say, it's for me and my family, we'll, we'll dress up once a week and we'll sing songs. No, it says we will serve the Lord. A godly father makes a choice to serve, to get on the playing field, to get involved, to serve God each and every day, to be involved with his family, to be that spiritual leader. It's not an easy thing to do. The world's telling us the opposite. The world's saying, serve your job. Serve your job. Let your family fend for themselves. The world says, work hard, serve your job, and when you're not doing your job, get a sport or a hobby and do that instead. And if anything's left at the end, then you can give it to your kids. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 5, it says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. It says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. It says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away on a journey, when you're lying down and when you're getting up again. As a father, it's our role to be the spiritual leader of the family. Are we engaging our family, our kids, even our young kids, in conversations about God, teaching them right from wrong? Because they're going to learn from you, and they're also going to learn from your actions. But being a godly father is a choice that we make. It doesn't just come naturally. Because naturally, again, we tend to gravitate towards the path of least resistance. Another thing that, that we should do as is, is fathers is, is telling our kids that you love them. What's the toughest three words for a guy to say? Man, you know, we see this in movies and all these things. The toughest three words for a guy to say is, is often, I love you. You know, maybe they didn't ever have that expressed to them growing up, or it just we just don't want to seem all, all mushy and whatever. But, but we need to say, I love you. And you might say, well, well, they know that I love them because I 
work really hard for them and I bring them money so that they can support their life and on and on. But it's not good enough. It's like, you know, the, the husband and the wife, when they get married and the husband says to his wife, says, I love you. And if it ever changes, I'll let you know. You know, and it's like just telling her once isn't going to be good enough. Along with that is, is loving your, your wife in front of them. Do you know that, that when you express your love to your wife, to your spouse, it gives your children security. Ephesians 5.25 says, And you husbands must love your wives with the same love that Christ showed the church. And He gave up His life for her. Husbands need to love their wives. If you're married and you have that opportunity, show your wife that you love her. Sit down, hold her hand, spend time with her in front of your kids. Because that gives them security. Another thing is, is spending time with her kids. You know, we, I, I was reading, and I think the average um, father spends 37 seconds a day with his kids, with each kid. Like, I'm like, man, that's not very good. It's kind of like, hey, how was school? Good. Okay, did you do anything? No. Any homework? Yeah, okay, get to your homework. And, and, you know, that's, that's all the interaction they have. Someone asked a girl, said, what would you prefer? Quality time with dad or quantity time with dad? You know what she said? She said, quality time and lots of it. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not enough to just say, well, I'm going to give you two minutes of really quality time. No, they need quantity as well, being willing to spend time with their family, making a sacrifice, and it's, it's well worth it. You know, something I, I discovered years ago, and, and I just thought it was a very ironic thing. This guy, uh, Gary Smalley, he, he interviewed hundreds and hundreds of families all across America trying to look for successful families. And, and there was one thing that kept coming up, and all these successful families, one thing kept coming up. And it didn't matter if they believed in God or didn't believe in God. And it doesn't mean everybody that does this has a successful family. But one thing kept coming up. In fact, almost every successful family you found did this one thing. They had this one thing in common. Do you want to know what it is? Come back next week and I'll tell you. you know, um, <laughs> camping. Camping. Isn't that, and you're like, oh, you, you know, you're thinking, oh, it's church, right? Or reading the Bible. No, camping. Why? Why is camping so important, man? Because camping is like shared adversity, isn't it? I mean, anybody ever do much camping? Got a few campers. You go out there and bad stuff is bound to happen, right? I mean, I grew up camping and I had some of my absolute worst experiences camping. I mean, I cut my finger. I had, a, I had one of the worst bike wrecks, actually a couple of the worst bike wrecks I've ever had, camping, uh, where I've had, you know, bandages all over my body. Uh, my, my dad caught his nose with a hook fly fishing once when we were camping. Uh, we've been out camping and forgotten our tents before. My wife and we went backpacking. We forgot our tent. You know, we get out there and we're like, hmm, it seems like we forgot something here. And, uh, you know, man, all kinds of crazy stuff. In fact, this past week, 
Uh, my wife and I, we, uh, we took our three kids backpacking. It's the first time they've ever been backpacking before. We've taken them camping. We're like, we want to go backpacking. And, uh, and it was an adventure. And, and we, we got out there, and we ended up having a, a good time. Not too much trauma there. Uh, we had to carry a couple extra backpacks a time or two. But it was, uh, it was a great time of being out there basically surviving, right? It's like, if we can survive this, then we can survive anything. My dad always said it's not camping unless you get a a rainstorm in the middle of it. And it's like you're out there and everything's soaked. And man, you go through these things. And what do they say? If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. So, you know, camping is a great thing. Now, now, does it actually have to be camping? No. Some people are like, ah, you can never get me to go camping for anything, you know. And, and on the flip side, some people's camping is like kind of like towing the Ritz-Carlton behind them. And, um, but, but it's the idea of getting together, being together in an environment where we have adversity, we have problems, and then we overcome them together. Something goes wrong, and we overcome that. Oh. I'm glad someone agrees with me. That's awesome. You know, there's a difference between supporting a family and supporting a lifestyle. And, and sometimes us as guys, we get, that, we get that confused. We think supporting a lifestyle is the same as supporting a family. We're like, I go to work, and I have a good job, and I make all this money so that we can support this lifestyle of having a nice house and nice cars and all this great stuff. We support this lifestyle, and we kind of think that that's the same as supporting a family. But then the wife's like, well, you're just never here for me. And the guy's like, what do you mean? I'm not here for you because I'm there for you. I'm there at the office. I'm there at the the business. I'm there at the shop. But instead, what our family's often saying is, is, you know what, we don't really care so much about all the things that you provide. We want you to provide yourself. Be there. Spend time. There was a Christian attorney I read about, and he said, so the, the greatest influence in his life was the influence of his dad. He, he said this, he said, The greatest gift my dad ever gave was a small box. And in the box was a note that simply said, Son, this year I'll give you 365 hours. An hour every day after supper, it's all yours. We'll talk about what you want to talk about. We'll go where you want to go. We'll do what you want to do. And he said that his father kept that promise and renewed it year after year. It was the best gift he could have ever gotten. Now, some of you are like, you know, I got a lot of kids. That would take me all day. You know, not saying that you got to do that exact thing. But spending time, spending quality time, that's the greatest gift that a father can give his family is time. And here's the thing. Great dads don't find time for their family. Great dads make time for their family. You're not going to find it because something will fill every moment of your day. You get home and there's something that needs to be worked on and there's a game that needs to be watched. Fathers need to make time for their family. Harmon Killebrew used to play for the Minnesota Twins and he said this. He said, my father used to play with my brother and me in the yard. And mother would come out and say, you're tearing up the grass. And dad would say, we're not raising grass, we're raising boys. You know, and that, that, that's a big difference, isn't it? A difference of raising grass or raising boys. You know, I, I was just looking at some different statistics. 
and, uh, and kids without fathers are more likely to do jail time. Kids without fathers are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Kids without fathers are more likely to become obese. Kids without fathers are more likely to become sexually active as teenagers. You know, that, that, that sexual activity, especially in teenage girls, is almost always related to an absent father. Not just physically absent, maybe it's even just withdrawn and emotionally absent. If you starve your daughter of words of affection and attention, then she's going to go looking for it somewhere else. But, here's the good thing, with fathers, or with a father figure in their life, kids are less likely to live in poverty. Do you know kids that that have a father figure, that have a father, uh, or that that don't have a father, rather, don't have a father, are 44% chance they're going to live in poverty, versus 12% chance if they have a father in their life. They're going to do better in school. They have a a 43% chance of getting an A. They're, um, they're, if you have a father, you have a, uh, well, if you don't have a father, there's twice of a chance that you're going to stay back a grade. They're more likely to have a larger vocabulary. They're more likely to take healthy risks. Healthy risks. You know, you know that? I mean, if, if a kid wants to, to do something risky, who does he come to? It's not going to mom, right? <laughs> you know, mom's like, no, 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 don't jump off of that. Dad's like, Go for it, you know? We got band-aids, come on. We got duct tape, we'll, we'll fix you right up there, you know? Here's two questions, though. And this is one of the most important things that I found in, in, in my own job as a dad. And, and it's these two questions that only a dad can answer, only a guy can answer. And this is based off of uh, John Eldridge's book, You Have What It Takes. But it's these two questions that every dad needs to answer. Anyone have a boy? Anyone have a son? Okay, a lot of of guys have sons. Sons are great. But you know something? Taking the training wheels off the bike isn't enough for them, is it? No, because before long, they're going off jumps. They're they're riding no-handed. They're, they're, you know, doing all kinds of crazy things. It's not just a boy we're dealing with. We're dealing with a spaceman, or, or a cowboy, or a superhero. Man, boys, what do they love? They love stories of battle. They love stories of adventure and of danger. They, they love to, to, to build things and then do what? Blow them up or knock them down, right? I mean, my, my girls, they'll, they'll build stuff, and Reuben, he just goes like, can I knock it down? Can I knock it down? It's like, man, something about that, that excitement. And, and we, had, we started with two girls, and then we had Reuben. And, like, we didn't try to train them, raise them any differently, but, I mean, the girls probably never jumped off of, like, our furniture ever. And then Reuben, as soon as he could walk, the very first thing he's doing is like, let's see what I can jump off of. You know, it's... They, they just love these kind of things. Now, if you, if you have a boy and you let them wear whatever they want to wear, what are they going to wear? <laughs> they're they're going to, yeah, pajamas. They're going to wear camouflage. They're going to wear, you know, you can dress up like a cowboy. They're going to wear their underwear on the outside of their pants like Superman does. Because <laughs> every boy, they want to be a hero. And here's the question that every boy is asking. His dad, 
You know, he might not come out and say it, but here's a question every boy is asking his dad is, is, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? And if guys, if we can reflect, we're like, yeah, you know what? I want to know, do I have what it takes? What, why do we do the things that we do in life? I want to say, well, do, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to be a man? Do I have what it takes to succeed? When they're riding with no hands, well, they're doing it for the adventure, but they're also doing it to get your attention and say, hey, Dad, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? And you know what? It doesn't change as we get older. Some of you have, have kids that are adults, and guess what? They're still wondering that question in their mind. Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? And sometimes a mom says, yeah, you got what it takes, honey. And it's just not the same. It's when dad says, yeah, you got what it takes. You got what it takes, son, to be a man. And, and this is why it's so damaging when fathers w- will come and they'll belittle and they'll degrade their kids. Because their sons, they want to know, do I have what it takes? And they're like, well, you, you can't, you know, you couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with that baseball. No, they want to know, do I have what it takes? And here's the thing, as, as we get older, if, if a man doesn't find meaning at home, he'll often pursue it at work. Because at work, it's often easier for a guy to progress there. It's more visible. I see if I do a good job, I get a raise, I get a promotion. At home, it's kind of nebulous. I don't really know if I have what it takes there, but here I know. So, so we end up putting more emphasis there. Anyone have a girl? Anyone have girls? Man, girls, they have a basic question too, but it's not the same one. It's not the same question as the boys ask. And we see it in in all that they do. They're not so much into adventure as they are into relationships. And they're into tea parties and brushing each other's hair and playing with dolls and playing house and and rescuing the princess and being the princess and, and doing all these things. And what would they wear if they could wear anything they, they would probably dress up and wear dresses and earrings and, and lipstick because they enjoy being beautiful. Whereas the boys, they don't really care. They just want to look tough, you know. They want to look like a superhero. The girls, they want to look, look beautiful because the, the question a girl is asking her father is, am I lovely? Am I lovely? When, when you're when your girl is doing these things, she's trying to, to capture your attention and say, am I lovely? Am I worth fighting for? Am I like that princess that, that the, the brave knight will come and beat, you know, fight the dragon in order to rescue? And I don't think this changes as girls grow older either. And if, if you're married, man, guys, you have a responsibility to answer that question for your wife as well. Are you answering these questions. A father's duty is to answer these questions. Yes, you have what it takes. Or yes, you are lovely in as many ways as we possibly can. Answer it a thousand times in a thousand ways. You see your, your son doing something daring. Hey man, you got what it takes. Go ahead. You know, I mean, keep it, keep it in reason. You know, we don't want to, we don't want any broken bones here or anything. But, but you know what I'm saying? Giving them that encouragement. Because a dad is the most powerful person in a kid's world. Now this doesn't 
lessen the role of a mother. Because, man, in, in my family, if, uh, if one of my kids gets hurt and they have the option, they're going to mom, you know? It's like his mom, she offers a compassion and a caring and a love and a comfort that dads aren't always wired for. But if a kid wants to do something exciting and adventurous, where are they going to? They're going to go to dad. And so we need to be there to answer those questions for them. A boy is going to learn if he's a man, if he has what it takes from his dad. And again, if the dad, if there's not a male figure offering this to his family, to his sons, then the boy is going to look elsewhere. Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes here? If I don't have what it takes there, I'm going to try to get in this group of friends who are going to tell me I have what it takes. I'm going to try to go do this and see if I have what it takes. Somewhere I want to find out if I have what it takes. And the girl, same thing. She's going to learn if she's worth pursuing, if she's lovely from her dad. And if she's not getting it there, she begins to go look for that somewhere else. So the question is, how did your father answer these questions for you? And how are you answering these questions for the future generations? My challenge for you, that guys that have children, answer these questions. doesn't matter how old they are. Figure out creative ways to answer these questions for your kids. And if you don't have kids, find some kids. Be that mentor. Answer the questions for them. Be that father figure, that role model. And you know what? I mean, for, for, for ladies, it's like, we need to realize that, that, that the role of a dad is so important. I, I'm all for, you know, equality and women's rights and all of these things. But we also need to realize that being a father is a great honor and a great calling. And, and so many times in, in this world, we try, to, we try to lessen the role of a guy. When really God has wired each man for a purpose. We crave adventure. We crave excitement. We crave that meaning. And we want to know, do we have what it takes? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for each person that's here. For every dad that's here. For every guy that's here. I ask you to bless them. And help them to be men of honor. Men of courage that are willing to stand firm. Stand strong for you and for their families. I thank you for, for the women here as well and for all that they do and all that they offer. And just bless them. Bless each person here. They have kids or whether they don't. Just draw us closer to you. And Lord, I know that today on Father's Day, it's, it's kind of a bittersweet feeling for many of us because some of us, Maybe we had a poor example of a father. Or maybe our father is no longer with us. Or maybe we didn't even ever know our father. But we thank you for your word which says that you are a father to the fatherless. And that you never leave us and you never forsake us. And that you're always there for us. And we just thank you for that. Lord, bless each person. Help us to draw closer to you. Help the the men to raise up to be godly men. Help the women to be godly women so that we can parent and raise the next generation in a way that honors you and glorifies you.
thank you so much for your goodness. Some might be here and you've never uh, really considered putting God first in your own life, much less the life of your family. And if that's where you are, my challenge to you is, is to ask yourself this simple question. Do I believe that Jesus is Lord? Do I believe that Jesus is the Savior? That He is who He says He is. That He is God. That when He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through Me. Do we believe that He was telling the truth or do we think that He was telling a lie? And if we believe that He's telling the truth, God's Word says that if we say with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we are saved. And I would just encourage you to to process this question of do I believe that Jesus is Lord and am I willing to say that with my mouth and, and, and put my faith and my trust in Him, in my Heavenly Father. Lord, we just thank You for saving us, for giving us the opportunity to be made right with you through your son, Jesus. And we believe that he is our Lord. In Jesus' name. Hey guys, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. I'm Judah Thomas, the lead pastor. And we thank you for joining us today as we discover what God's word has to say to us. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd encourage you to leave a rating, review, share it with your friends or family. And we hope you enjoy today's message.